Hello, I'm Lakita and welcome to the Co-Create Work podcast, where my partner Chloe and I talk about building and co-creating the future of work. We hope this podcast will be your weekly dose of support on all things work, leadership and personal development as it relates to creating culture for you and your team. Because one of our principles is to be a guy, we look forward to providing space for our shared learning and exploration while trusting your personal experiences. After all, this is what co-creation is all about. So let's co-create together. Hello, co-creators. We are so excited to have you with us today. We are going to be talking about something that's a little more personal to us at Co-Create Work, and that is chronic illness. I am both excited and not nervous, but we want to be really intentional about this conversation because we think it's so important. So as we start to dive in to it and what it looks like to be a founder, be an entrepreneur with a chronic illness, and then what it looks like for someone who is a partner and part of the team of someone with a chronic illness. We're going to get some really important information out there, some really important things for people to think about and talk about. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Lakita to have her share why this is important to her. Thank you so much, Chloe. As Chloe kind of brought this idea forward, I was very excited as well to talk about it, not because it's an easy topic to discuss, but it's an important topic to discuss and one that is not a part of the conversation as regularly as I think that it should be. 60% of adults in the U.S. have at least one chronic illness, according to the CDC. And when we're talking about chronic illness, that's across a variety of diseases like cancer, heart disease, diabetes, migraines, autoimmune disorders. And it also includes mental illness like depression and anxiety. So the impact is certainly felt among so many individuals, and it can be especially felt within the context of work. So we wanted to talk to entrepreneurs and leaders who are managing their own chronic illness or perhaps supporting someone in their family or household with a chronic illness as well as speak to teams and leaders who are in partnership and work with folks who are managing a chronic illness. As we talk about a lot, you bring a whole human experience to work. And so it's really important for us to think about this from a whole human perspective. So that's why it was super important for us to have this conversation and talk a little bit more about chronic illness. One of the other things, Lakita, that I think is so important for people to understand is how prevalent discrimination can be and how that comes up also when it comes to chronic illness, disabilities, etc. So just to set some context, in a recent study, 34% of people in the U.S. with disabilities experienced discrimination or bias at work, and that comes from Harvard Business Review. Additionally, the Equal Employment Opportunity Council reported that 31.9% of total discrimination charges cited disability discrimination. So it's an important conversation, not just for how we can work better together, but it's because we're collectively not doing this well. Yeah. And there continues to be so much work that we need to do. Ableism is 
extremely prevalent in our day-to-day lives. And as we know, those day-to-day lives include work. And so has such a significant impact on work and the work experiences of, of those around us. So to jump into the conversation, can you walk us through your experience of diagnosis and your reaction to it as a founder of a company, as an entrepreneur? Yes, absolutely. So to talk a little bit about that journey, in 2019, I really began to notice very significant symptoms that were happening for me, significant pain, vertigo, nausea, all types of impacts around areas of the heart, just like really significant symptoms and just kind of started a process of constantly going to doctors, specialists to try to understand what was going on. And there wasn't a clear connection. Ultimately, in August of 2020, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder called multiple sclerosis. And about a million people in the United States have multiple sclerosis. I'll call it MS from here on out. In recent research has shown that um, Black people experience MS at higher rates and autoimmune disorders overall, women really experience at a significant rate. And it takes a long time to be diagnosed with a autoimmune disorder. So often people will experience symptoms like I did, being sick, not knowing what's going on, continuously going to the doctor, going to the emergency room three, four, five times. And doing that within the context of running a company or being a leader at an organization, it has a significant impact. And in my experience, I felt like there wasn't space to take a break to figure out what was going on. This is often things that were happening alongside work. So I might spend the night in the ER and then come and continue to do work the next day. I'm not saying that at all as any sort of badge because folks should not have to do that. Um, And yet that was a very real experience that was actually happening. And so receiving that diagnosis in August 2020 was very surprising, a significant life shift for me and for my family and continues to be so as we continue work and life and all the things that are, you know, a part of what it's like for me to live within this body. It's interesting as you were describing that, the other thought I had was I wonder how many entrepreneurs, especially in early days of business, may have some kinds of symptoms at time that they ignore on some level because they think it's maybe attributable to just the demands that sometimes exist with building and growing a business. I know that wasn't your case and that you had the business, it was growing, but it is something that's really interesting for folks to think about as far as caring for their bodies and paying attention to their bodies. And I think frequently in entrepreneurial spaces, there's a lot of push through and less stop and listen and pay attention. Yeah, I think overall, when we think about the systemic approach to things like entrepreneurship, work, even the medical field, right, there was definitely times where things were happening where it felt like medical gaslighting and challenges that were happening. So as to your point, Chloe, as I was seeking to understand what was going on, going to the ER, you know, a lot of 
doctors attributed it to, hey, you're actually just maybe working too hard, or this is a new working style for you. I know you said you have a business. I know you said your work is in consulting, maybe a stress, right? But ultimately what I have found to be true as someone who engages with chronic illness community is that you know when something is going on for you, you know your body and you know when something isn't right. You know when that feeling is stress and you know when it potentially could be something else. So self-advocate as much as you can because it is a difficult role to continue to self-advocate is really, really important. And, you know, just being mindful, as you mentioned, Chloe, of your body as much as you can. But the road to diagnosis is often very, very difficult and very, very long. And so I just want to encourage anyone who is going through that journey right now. Thank you for sharing that. So you get this diagnosis and then what? For me, it was the process of making some transitions within the context of the business already. And I was hospitalized for a time along with that diagnosis and going through the process of trying to make decisions for the business, trying to adjust for the business, things that would pivot the business in the new direction and not really having a lot of space to think about that. I'll say for me, I was very you know, lucky to be in partnership with wonderful clients who really cared and were really connected to who I was as an individual and was able to partner with them and work with them as I try to determine what next steps would be. For me and the type of diagnosis that MS is, I never thought about, hey, not showing up as an entrepreneur any longer. I knew that for me, at least, it needed to be a part of my long-term plan. But what that looked like was a lot to think about. So you just have this life-changing diagnosis. You are trying to then educate yourself, educate your family, and understand what it means, how you're going to treat this, navigate the medical system. If you have insurance, navigate insurance and think about your financial stability and health moving forward. It's significant. On top of that, you're managing the fact that you have clients and partners and folks that you work with. If you're someone within a business, then you're thinking about colleagues, projects. Mm -hmm. How do I talk Mm -hmm. to HR or other folks within the company? It is a lot to manage. You know, as you were talking about being grateful to have clients who understood or were supportive, it reminded me just of our conversation around burnout and how important client selection and the people you work with is regardless of your situation. But if you do end up in a situation where you're diagnosed with a chronic illness, having built a client base to the extent you can is so valuable. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm hoping that helped to at least relieve some of the stress of the experience, not that you didn't care about them, weren't trying to show up for them, but knowing that they cared about you as a human and knowing the type of relationships that you'd built with those clients. 
I definitely think, you know, when you're managing anything, relationships are so important, right? And we talk about this at Co-Create Work all the time, that who you are partnered with, who you have as clients and a team, it all matters so much. And our goal is to have folks do business differently. And so we are always encouraging you to think about who you're in relationship with. Our clients are great partners and they were very flexible and understanding at that time. And I also personally felt the drive and the need to deliver results and get back to work as soon as possible. And I think that many folks who manage a chronic illness or have a family member with a chronic illness feel that way, that we're trying to do all the things that we did before and successfully manage a chronic illness. It is extremely challenging to do that. So they were great partners. And because of our systems and like the way we work and live, there is still an incredible amount of pressure, even if it's internal pressure to show back up in the way that I was prior to becoming sick and also receiving diagnosis. Right. And it's not sustainable to show up in that way continually. If I'm understanding conversations that we've had, some changes had to be made. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I've been in conversation with so many folks who manage a chronic illness. And I think a lot of people took the same initial steps that I took, which is that I'm going to do everything the same. And I am going to, within that context, fit in the things that I need to do to manage a chronic illness. And very quickly, I learned that that wasn't sustainable. I learned that in ways of like how my body reacted in ways that, you know, frankly, my doctor communicated to me that some things needed to change. So it is hard to make that decision when you are the person impacted. It's also hard to make that decision when you're supporting someone else or are a primary caregiver for someone who has a chronic illness. And so it's so important to lay everything out and say to yourself, at least this was my experience, what are things that I can do differently? And what does it look like now to live in this body? And what are my goals now? Have they changed? What's my vision now? And just start to think about that. You don't do that from day one. You know, you are trying to manage the shock, manage the loss, the Mm -hmm. grief that go along with receiving this sort of diagnosis. Which you're not just dealing with the diagnosis and health implications. You're also dealing with exactly what you just said, the loss, the grief of that diagnosis, which I can only imagine I'm not in that situation and is so much to take on while also trying to keep your business running, trying to perform the way that you're used to performing, trying to keep clients happy. It is a lot. And you walked through some of the things that you did as far as, you know, lay out the work, how you can do things differently to support yourself. So how did you decide what changes to make? And what were those changes? Yeah, those decisions are always changing and always happening. That's one thing I just want to name and share is like, 
I will continue to need to make adjustments. The very first thing I thought about is, do I stay in business? I think I said earlier, it was very clear to me that that was something that was important and that I wanted to do. So after determining a treatment plan, I started to think, what does sustainability look like for me? And what does sustainability look like for the business? And within that context, I thought, One thing that's really important to me that is a high value to me is to deliver results, right? It's a high level of doing what I say that I'm going to do. And so I wanted to be sure that within the context of the business, our clients can always be taken care of. And so I said, that means that I need to have some level of backup support, which then led me to say, okay, who am I in partnership with just as colleagues who I know, who I've worked with before and what conversations might I have with them? And that is, Chloe, when we started to have conversations about how might you get to know our clients, be able to support our clients and be engaged with this work. And that was the start of our conversations around our partnerships together. So for me, it was really like what resources are available to help to make the way that I work in this business more sustainable. And just to give a little context, I had been working with you as a consultant, but not on a full-time basis with you, not as a partner, just coming in when you needed me to do certain things, right? And so then we started to have different conversations around what that might look like. And I'm curious, as you were thinking through that, what your vision was as far as what that would look like for you to have that support. Yeah, Chloe and I, we have a very close and high trust relationship. So it was a decision. For me, it didn't feel like a difficult decision. It was one that felt like a natural next step. And I would say for other folks who are managing this or thinking about like, what does this look like? Your sustainability plan may be different. So you may say, instead of these services, I'm going to offer this service. Instead of these amount of hours on a weekly basis, I'm going to work these amount of hours. For some of you, it may look like partnership. What Chloe and I have, it may look like expanding the team. It may look like selling the business. So I just want to name like there's so many options out there and all of those options I think are valid uh, in terms of you trying to determine how do you take care of yourself physically, mentally, and of course, financially. So this was my experience and steps, but there are a lot of different options that are out there and available. And so the first step is to kind of see what works for you, um, what you're thinking about, and then what might be the next steps to take. So for Chloe and I, these conversations unfolded. I was very transparent with Chloe about the disease and what progression that disease could take and what it could look like to be in partnership together. And then all of our agreements and legalities and all that good stuff back that up in terms of what's just and fair and equitable for everybody involved. Right. And as you were talking about that first step of thinking about what works for you, I just want to name that the very first thing you did was figure out what do I want to do? 
Yeah. And for you, it was no question you wanted to still have this business. And to your point, there are so many different ways that this can look. And we've talked a little bit about some of the feelings of shame that can pop up. And so just naming like the right choice for one of you listening to this might be that you want to sell the business, which is what you named, but getting grounded in what you want and then figuring out how to create the systems to support that is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I think it definitely is. Okay. So let's dive into what were the systems? What were the pieces of support you were thinking about so that you could continue to have this business, to grow this business, to run this business? Yeah, absolutely. So we have the the partnership was just a step, definitely not the last step. It won't be the last step. We think about how we work, the pace that we work, what does growth look like? So for us, um, we have a really strong practice of planning, and that's a big part of our business. I receive treatment twice a year, and that treatment is an infusion treatment, which means that after that infusion, it typically takes me about a week to rest and heal before I can come back into the business and be at 100%. In addition to that, kind of leading up to that, sometimes a period where I'm really impacted by the disease. And that also causes me to slow down a bit. So our calendaring and planning sessions are critical for us. And we look at what capacity looks like. We have a marketing partnership. We have a wonderful project manager. So like our team feels very tight and everyone is aware of my health condition and what is happening within the context of that. And so we are mindful of that in planning and scheduling, even though this might not work for everyone, our clients are also aware of what that schedule looks like for me. And so we're in partnership with them around like what is a good time to um, work on a particular project or what a particular, you know, employee launch or coaching or offer um, within the context of their business for the team looks like. So communication is a a huge system Mm -hmm. for us. Planet is a huge system for us um, within this. And then what our week looks like on a weekly basis. This is one that has been more of a struggle and we are just now readjusting. Previously, you know, as someone who has always had like a really busy career, I'm used to working 10 or 12 hours a day and not saying that that is uh, something that everyone needs to do is something that was valuable and important to me and us needing to now work in a space where we're making adjustments to that. You all know if you've been listening, we have no meet in Monday. So we don't meet on Mondays. And um, sometimes there has been some inconsistency. We make sure that that's very consistent. We manage uh, how many hours of meetings and calls that we have on a weekly basis, which is a huge benefit to me. And I think it benefits the team overall as well and their health. And then I mentioned the planning. And then I have a lot of external support outside of the business and the company as well. Yes. And we're going to talk more about the support systems in future episodes, which I'm excited to dig into. It's so critical for everyone and even more critical for someone who 
does have a chronic illness to make sure that that support is there, that you have that piece. One of the things that made me comfortable coming into the partnership and makes me feel really great working with you is that communication and planning piece. And just that I'm part of those discussions, which I would imagine can be really hard because you share more than maybe you would normally, right, in the context of business. And I am so appreciative of it because it helps me know how I can best support you and the business and how we can best work together. So that's something that I just want to say is has been so valuable. And I think people have to make those choices about how much they share and what they share. But to the extent that that communication with whoever's partnering with you can be there, so important. Yeah, we have a process and a practice within our company of like, ask for what you need and be clear and communicating what's happening. And so I am often very clear, hey, I am very symptomatic right now. We may need to adjust the meeting. We may need to make a different decision about a rollout or something that is coming up. And you are always open, ready to respond and ready to support. And we have built that as a practice that we have overall. And so in talking about my chronic illness and adjustments that need to be made, we are creating a healthier environment for everyone to communicate. Of course, it's important that within our businesses and our workplaces, we center the folks that are most negatively impacted, right? That's really what equity is about. And by doing that, we create healthier organizations because we are thinking from a place that is more sustainable, more thoughtful, that allows everyone to ask for what they need. Yes. I love the call out around that's what equity is about, right? Is centering in that space, centering those needs, because we do want to make sure that we can all function to the best of our ability, show up in the ways that we want to show up. And for me to show up in the way that I want to show up in a body that doesn't have a chronic illness requires a lot less than it does for you now to show up in the way that you want to show up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important to say that, you know, and for folks to really feel that. So for the folks who aren't impacted by chronic illness, either in your personal lived experience or in supporting someone, that you recognize that the energy levels are very different. And in the chronic illness community, um, they have this term called spoons, right? And the, the idea is that you start a day with a certain amount of spoons when you have a chronic illness. And when those are gone, those are gone. There is not anything you can do to adjust or push past it. And so just recognizing that that is very different for someone managing a chronic illness than it is for those who are not. And that... Equity is about understanding that and that we are all making adjustments for folks as we need to. Ultimately, that is giving us more in our workplaces, more from a human perspective than it is to say, oh, it must be, you know, nice for you to rest, right? That person <laughs> would give anything, I, right? To mm -hmm. potentially to like be in a space where they um, would be in a body like without pain or without chronic fatigue. So just 
for folks to really deeply understand that and like really work on this idea of like empathy as well. So as we're talking to folks about this and what this experience is like, I'm curious, what are the things that you would want to share with folks who are also in your situation? And then we're going to talk a little bit about what you want to share with folks who are on the supporting end. But let's go first with what else do you want to share with folks who are in this situation? Yeah, throughout our conversation, we've been sprinkling some of things that I I want folks to think about, right? Like trusting yourself, because I want to do medical advocacy always. So if you are working through a process where um, you feel like something is happening, um, your disease might not be named yet, just like knowing you're not alone, there are, are hundreds of thousands of people who are in that same situation. And as much as you can advocacy for yourself or asking for support for advocacy as you need it. So that is first. Secondly, I try to do within the context of chronic illness is put myself as the first step that I need to take. So if I am less symptomatic and working from an optimal state as much as I can, like where my new optimal state is, then it's going to be better supportive of everyone, including the business, our clients, starting with, you know, me and my family. So it's important to understand what that is for you and what that looks like for you. And then because we are always thinking from systems, then what is the system that you need to build around that? So what does the system of support look like? And that can mean everything from schedule to where you work or live or how you work? Is it remote? Is Mm -hmm. it in person? How often you travel? Those sort of things are all inputs for someone managing a chronic illness. So just knowing that it is taking a design approach. So designing for yourself, what are the things that are going to be most supportive for me as I'm managing this right now and asking for and naming what you need. So communication, setting up the system um, that's going to best support you to be in your most optimal place and working. Also, a willingness to maybe try something different Mm -hmm. than what you would have previously tried. So that can mean for me, it meant joining within a partnership. So initially the thought might be, well, how do I just maybe adjust my schedule or how do I just get my treatments? But being willing to have complete paradigm shifts Mm -hmm. and completely shift the way that you're working can be very, very powerful and valuable. It's not an easy decision. It doesn't mean partnership for everyone. It doesn't mean closing the business for everyone. I'm not saying any of that, whatever it is, just saying, okay, here's what I thought was possible, but is there something else that may be possible as well? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and with that call out around being willing to think about things differently, one of the things that I know you did, and you mentioned it a little bit, is seeking support in how to think about this, right? How to approach it. So you didn't just do it on your own and try and sit in a room because sometimes it can be really challenging when you've got an idea in your brain, you've created this business, you've built it. There's a level of grief, even if the change ends up being better, because it potentially could, there's a level of loss and grief for that thing that you thought you were going to have. And so you, I know, sought out support and input from 
lots of sources just to help you think about it and get feedback around different ideas, et cetera. And I think that's an important one to call out too, is like, it's not just support for living with a chronic illness. It's also support for figuring out that mindset, that shift. There's support there that can be really helpful as well. Yeah, absolutely. I pursued support from a therapeutic perspective and therapy, coaching perspective around like structuring and what the business might look like. I also, after having some pretty challenging doctors and and neurologists that I was working with, partnering with really good uh, neurologists and additional um, medical professionals to actually help me think about this thing as well in terms of ability and what I might be able to do. So I really needed to engage in what I like to call, you know, and we I have a background in social work, um, wraparound support. Mm-hmm. So leveraging all of those inputs to help to design at least an initial start, an initial plan. And as I named like at the beginning of our conversation, that's going to be ongoing and those adjustments are going to be ongoing as the nature of the disease changes and as the needs change. And so a willingness to say, okay, here is where we are or were and okay, what might we need to do to adjust? Great. I think that's so helpful. Before I jump into like, how can folks who are partnered supporting someone living with a chronic illness best show up? I want to see, is there anything else that you wanted to share in terms of what you'd want people who are living with a chronic illness to know, think about, consider? Yeah, I just want to say that it's a hard thing because it's so many words and you, I can't pull together all the things that I would want you to know and all the things to say, except that um, what you're experiencing and working through any grief, right, as well as any sadness, any challenges are real things and that you in any given moment are doing the very best that you can do. And that there are opportunities and options to continue potentially to to do the work or some level of work um, that you love or that is important to you. And it may be a situation of like, how do I design or redesign this different? And so I always just wanted to offer feelings of support and acknowledge that all the feelings are real uh, and they're real things. And it's an ongoing process. I know for me it is um, and that things are, are constantly unfolding and I'm constantly adjusting to a new and different life than I anticipated before being diagnosed with chronic illness. And sometimes that's challenging. And mm-hmm. sometimes I have to just take a beat and acknowledge the grief and sit in the grief. And then my process is to work through what next steps may be, but that's just my process. So whatever folks need to do to support themselves and develop a plan that's sustainable for them, I just want to encourage them and you know, in this moment to do that. Great. Thank you. And so with that, I would love to hear the things that for those of us who are in partnership, supporting, working with someone with a chronic illness, what 
is most helpful and understanding that this may look a little bit different for different folks, right? But from your perspective, what's been most helpful? What would you want people to know, think about, do as they're supporting someone with a chronic illness in the workspace? Similarly, this one is very hard because it's so many things, right? And like you said, it can also be very, very different. Mm -hmm. I'll say what helps me to feel supported and from my experience in conversations with others is to first just be believed and acknowledged, right? Microaggressions are a part of so many people's work experience. And they also happen when talking about chronic illness as well. And so if someone's fatigue who has a chronic illness is not the same as, oh, I also get tired, right? So just being mindful of those sorts of comments and conversations, it is very easy for us to slip into ableism, right? So when we say something like, oh, you know, folks just need to push through or they need to pull themselves up, you know, by their bootstraps mentality, that's an example of ableism, right? And so it is important for you to acknowledge and show up in a supportive stance and a stance of seeking to understand and believe in folks when they talk about what they're processing. The other thing is to think about it from a systems perspective. So if you are a leader of an organization who is not managing chronic illness, believe me, you have folks in your organization who are. Mm -hmm. And that number based on everything that's happened in, you know, within the context of COVID and our health right now is likely going to increase as well. Start to think now, if you haven't, what systems do you have in place to support folks? Because people are dealing with a chronic illness or disability, they are just as worthy to have work, fulfilling work, to be promoted, right? All the Mm -hmm. things as everyone else. So, understand what are your benefits that you have in place for employees? What does your leave policies look like? And is it supportive of employees? Do you have, you know, based on the size of your organization, access to short-term, long-term disability, life insurance? Those elements are so critical as someone is trying to plan their life after receiving a diagnosis of chronic illness. And then, you know, you can look at it even more at microsystems within the company. What do our meetings look like? You know, how long are we having four hour marathon meetings? Are we wanting people to stay on camera and look in the camera long Mm -hmm. amounts of time? How often are we in the office? Are we making space for people to have movement and breaks? Again, we talked about this earlier. When you solve for the folks most impacted, you're going to solve for everyone else. So if you're thinking about this from a chronic illness perspective and what you may be able to offer or change about your workplace, then you're also going to make the workplace better for everybody, right? So marathon meetings don't suit anyone, actually, right? right? (laughs) And open open workspaces don't actually suit anybody for eight hours working. So really think about things from a systems level perspective and what you can change. So belief, right? Access to services, thinking about things from a systems level approach, and then conversation, just making space to open things up. You don't know what you don't know. If you are not someone living in a body that experiences chronic illness, you know, you can't 
anticipate everything. So making space for folks to be able to share information, to make requests uh, about what they need. And so all of this, and we talk about this all the time at our company on this podcast, this is within the context of leadership, right? This yeah. this is what it means to be a leader of the future and to build sustainable organizations. So um, those are just some initial steps that you can take. Thinking through just where you're at now running the business. And I know you've shared a lot of ideas and things that you've done, but are there any like big do's or don'ts that you think are pretty universal for folks when it comes to leading a business when you're experiencing a chronic illness? Yeah, you know, I think it all comes back to caring for yourself and making that a priority. So do the things that you need to do to care for yourself. So that means make appointments, prioritizing anything that has to do with your health. Also do communicate. I know that this is private information and and folks might not feel comfortable sharing everything. And in order for people to be able to support, they need some level of information. So do communicate as much as you can what is happening. I know for leaders, a lot of times it's like, what should I tell my team? Is it okay to communicate to my team? And I think when we share, then we create the space for empathy and that you are deserving of empathy and support as well, even if you are the leader of the organization, the owner of the business. So communicating what's going on, I think is is very important. For the don'ts, you know, it's many of the don'ts that you shouldn't be doing with chronic illness <laughs> in general, which is avoiding overworking as much as you can. Another don't is, you know, not being willing to adjust the way you're working or the systems um, needed within the business out of fear. And I get it coming from that experience. I want to name like it's scary, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. have this very successful company or you're growing a company and you're like, can I communicate this? Should I communicate this? What if everything falls apart? And what I try to remember is if I don't make these adjustments, might everything fall apart then, right? And so really prioritizing uh, your health. So don't be afraid to take risks in order to make changes that are going to benefit you in the long run. But ultimately do know what's best for you and make decisions based on that. Great. The last question I have is just around how your awareness of ableism has changed now that you are living with MS. Yeah, I think, you know, I definitely grew up in a culture of like, you have to pull yourself up and pull yourself together. And you push through challenges, just from everything from like childhood, and all of those elements. So I think anytime you have that as your main point of reference, then you are taking actions likely that are ableist. You are Mm -hmm. making comments that are ableist and decisions that are ableist, right? Expectation that someone should respond 24-7 and expectation that if somebody is feeling sick, that they should still 
respond to you or come to work and working mm-hmm. with colleagues, you know, and people being out on leave and that sort of thing. Whenever we aren't doing enough advocacy within the context of working in an organization, that was my my prior roles, then we're not doing enough and we, we are participating in ableism. And so just learning a lot more about some of those actions that didn't at that time at least seem overt to me that those were participating right in this culture of ableism. So I've learned a lot and my hope is that folks will be able to learn from this podcast from other places um, without having to go through an experience to serve as, as proof for you. Not that I would ever name that I needed proof, but just wasn't thinking about things from that perspective. So for anyone listening who does not deal with chronic illness and seeking to understand, I just want to really say like, that's a great thing. Um, and that's what leadership mm-hmm. is all about. And I learned, you know, a lot in um, this journey as well. Anything I didn't ask that you wish I would have asked? <laughs> no, I think it, these are okay. yeah, these are great questions, and um, I think I will personally continue as, as we talked about at the top of the podcast. Continue to be on a journey around managing chronic illness as a leader um, and a founder of the organization, and and what that means, and and we will continue to adjust as a business and be in partnership and work together. And so just sending so much love and support to anyone out there dealing with chronic illness and the ongoing challenges of our time. Thank you. And, you know, we always end the podcast with thank you for your leadership to our listeners. And I get to end this one and say thank you for your leadership and for demonstrating what this looks like and being willing to share with folks, because I think it's a really important conversation and a really important thing for folks to think about. So Lakita, thank you for your leadership. Don't make me cry. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it, Chloe. Thank you for tuning in. For any resources referenced during today's episode, you can find that information in our show notes at cocreatework.com slash podcast. You can also connect with us on Instagram at cocreatework. If you have any questions about this week's episode or transforming the future of work, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at cocreatework.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Co Create Work podcast on your favorite platform. Mm-hmm.